And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invest in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I am encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I myself 
am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash Saving Ron's Life. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life. She never would deceive me But the devil's in the women And they never can be easy Mushering um durum da Whack for the daddy oak Whack for the daddy oak There's whiskey in the jar Gods were standing round me in numbers odd and even. I flew to my pistol, but alas, I was mistaken. I fired off my pistols, and a prisoner was taken. Mushering them down. Whack fall the daddy-o. Whack fall the daddy-o. There's whiskey in the jar. Putting me in jail without a judge or jury. For robbing Colonel Pepper in the morning so early They didn't take my fist, so I knocked down the sentry And I bid a long farewell to that cold penitentiary Mosharing under a dark Black fall to die to yo Black fall to die to yo There's whiskey in the jar
Some take delight in fishing and bowling. Others take delight in the carriage of rolling. I take delight in the juice of the body. Courting pretty women in the morning so early. Mosho ring um do rum da. Whack for the dideo. Whack for the dideo. There's whiskey in the jar. Welcome to the Boochcast this week for April 29th. This is, of course, your AEW correspondent, Elvis Delinsky. And, of course, as always, I have Desmond Dagenhart. This is our first time doing it for this year. Is that correct, Desmond? Yeah, it's the first one we've done since, uh, since New Year's. Holy shit, man. I know. It's been a long time. What you been up to, man? How's, there, how's everything going in the world of uh, Mr. Desmond Dagenhart? Uh, things are going. Uh, as you know, um, I went and got a... Uh, Oh wow! Yeah. So was it was it a big spider, small? I mean, the one I saw was small. Is that the one you're talking about, the small little spider? Yes, that's the one I was talking about. You know, it was supposed to grow and be really big. Unfortunately, it passed away this week. I'm sorry to hear, man. I know uh, you brought it over to my house. Uh, we did a uh, WrestleMania weekend at my house. We did a uh, Saturday, and uh, you brought your books with you. You brought your D and D stuff. We had that one shot, which, by the way, was freaking amazing. Um, had t- had a lot of fun. Beef Wellington, of course, uh, being the ham that he is, uh, had a fun time. Um, you brought your little guy with you, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool because, like, you know, um, I've seen people with pet spiders are typically really big, whatever. And uh, you brought yours with you. I'm like, so you just brought a jar? I didn't know. I, I didn't know what was in there. You're like, yeah, I got my spider in here. I was like, oh my god, look at that guy. It's, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty cool. Yeah, unfortunately, the one that I bought was really, really young. Who, uh, it's really difficult to uh, uh, be able to get a spider that's that young to, be, to help to when you, you're as untrained as I am. It's hard to keep them alive, and I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know if I did anything wrong. Might have just gotten sick because I was young and it wasn't perfect, but it passed away. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear. You know, and typically when it comes to these situations, it's kind of hard to navigate with younger pets. Uh, we had a, a gerbil um, that we got for Zoe a couple years back um, that we got it the first week. We got the cage. We got the wheel. We got the things that all connect together, you know. And the thing got sick within a week, week and a half, and, you know, it passed. So we had to sit there and grab another one. Uh, and we kind of saw it coming, too. I mean, the thing was like, you know, shit done itself, and we brought it to the vet because, you know, why wouldn't you? Um, so we did all that and the thing passed. I mean, the thing was just like terrified and scared the whole time. Um, yeah, I mean, it happens. I mean, like sometimes you get some good ones, sometimes you get some bad ones. And unfortunately we both got some lemons, but, um, I'm sorry to hear, man. I know you're super excited. I just saw like you, you were super excited about, you know, raising him and trying to get him up there, but you know what? It happens. I'm pretty sure you're going to grab another one, maybe like a little bigger one this time. So it's like, you know, it's accustomed to life and can sit there and just, you know, be your best friend who can sit there and lay on your shoulder, you know? Yeah, I think, I think I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure within time, whatever, um, you know, I mean, I, I know you've done your research extensively because I remember when you first brought him in, you had like a plethora of knowledge. 
I mean, you're sitting there just like, you know, give me the info, how to raise them, how to do this and that. So it's not like you came into this blindly. I mean, you obviously did your research like anything you do pretty much. I mean, pretty much anything you do when it comes to music, when it comes to D&D, when it comes to anything pretty much, you always do a lot of research and a lot of different things. And, you know, these things kind of do happen though. But, uh, you know, hopefully in the future we'll get you your, uh, you know, that spider that you want. And um, I'm not sure, is there a particular kind of spider, different kind of breed that uh, you are excited about or something you're looking forward to getting? The one that I bought is, is called a, an Achilles Pink Toe. I got it for two reasons. One, because they are very brightly colored. They start out really blue, and then uh, and as they get older, they grow purple and red colored uh, hairs on their legs. Oh, wow. Thorax. Um, and uh, uh, the second reason I got it is because this particular breed of spider is very docile and very easy to handle. And there are some spiders that are just not good for somebody who wants to handle their pet. And I'm not the kind of person who's going to have a pet that I can't take out of its cage. It makes sense. Some people have them as prize pieces. They just kind of sit there, let them be in a cage. And I mean, it's the same thing with people who have like lizards or snakes. Some people just let it sit in the cage, and some people let it let it loose in an apartment. You know, so it all depends on the personality. It's just like me. I mean, I have a snake too. I mean, I got my I'm onyx, a ball python, and I love her to death. But I get her out of the tank. She doesn't just live in that tank all the time. Right. You know I mean, she, don't get me wrong. She's either being handled or she's in the tank. But I, I take her out. I don't just you know. I, I don't want a pet that I just look at. I want a pet that I can do stuff with. No, I mean it's absolutely, it's absolutely true. Like you know, I think exotic animal um, owners are a rare breed because you don't have a lot of them out there. I mean, like, they used to be more prevalent back in the day, but now and now, now in the world right now, you see less and less people getting exotic pets, and that's pretty cool that you have a fascination with it. So, um, you know, what got you started with that? Well, I mean, I've always, I've always been interested in um, exotic pets, uh, especially snakes. Uh, when I was six years old, uh, had something in, um, in school. It was called an exotic animal day where... Professional trainers from, I think, the local zoo or whatever brought in well-trained or, or at least well-handled animals, um, and we got to touch, pet, and on so, in some cases, hold the animals. And one of the ones that they brought in was a, uh, it was like a 10-foot, I want to say it was a boa constrictor. Okay. And this thing was huge, and it was pretty, and it was, I mean, the thing was massive. I mean, like I said, it was ten, like ten foot long, and me being six years old, you know what I mean. That was like the biggest oh, thing you ever but, seen your whole life. So you'd like from there, it's right. like love at first sight, pretty much. I'm sure. Right, and, and obviously with the you know uh, handler there, they put the uh, they draped the snake over my shoulders, you know, with obviously like I said with the handler there, and I get to pet and, and, and pet the snake, and I'm just, I've been fascinated with snakes and other animals ever since. Uh, and I've always, I'm always people always like said, don't call yourself an animal lover if you only love the fluffy ones. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I get to see that. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, like I love most animals. Um, I'm not crazy about it. Like my wife, she's more into animals. Like she cares more for animals than she cares for people. I'm, I'm the opposite. Um, I do like animals, but um, my dog I have right now is the only dog I've ever owned. I had a cat when I was living in Florida, but it was, it was my girlfriend's uh, cat back then. So. Before then, I never really had animals. I never really grew up with them, so I never grew up in a household where uh, we cared for or took care took care of other animals. So for me, it was never an animal. We would never had an animal living with us, so we never really cared for it. Um, and I was older. I mean, this dog is like like, like you know, pretty much stuck to my hip, pretty much. You know, wants to get petted all the time. 
If I get up from the bat, if I get up and just go to the bathroom and come back, he's like waiting by the door, like, dude, we went to the bathroom for it. Come back over here. <laughs> like he's so needy. Um, but it's the only thing I want to have. But it's pretty cool that you, at a young age you're exposed to like an exotic animal and it kind of took a, its own life. So that's that's pretty awesome, man. That's pretty cool. And I'm sorry to hear about the spider, but um, I'm pretty sure like later on online you're gonna find something that you know hopefully replace it and you, know, you can handle it and show some other kids too because. You know, you deal with kids on a daily basis, so get them introduced to those kind of exotic animals kind of show something, too. Yeah, my, my kid absolutely uh, loves exotic animals. And, you know, he, he would look at my spider, but I wouldn't let him actually hold my spider because she, she was young. Uh, and it, they're very uh, fragile. Tarantulas are fragile creatures. And okay. Not, you know, the, uh, most tarantulas are not uh, are not tree spiders, but this, actually, this particular breed is a tree spider. Huh. Interesting. Uh, Okay, I see that. Uh, I, I, I thought, I, I, most of my readings about tarantulas show them as being uh, uh, ground spiders. Okay, I see that. That's pretty cool, man. Well, like, you know, um, so we had quite a lot to catch up on now. Actually, we got a show to hear due to a second, too. But I just wanted to catch up, but I haven't heard, I mean, we talked, we saw each other during WrestleMania, but, um, you know, other than that, though, I just want to make sure the audience kind of gets caught, caught up, whatever. But, um, gotta say this, what did you think of this week's episode? I thought it was pretty darn awesome. We're gonna go everything side by side. We're gonna review this, like, like, just the only, only way we can. We're gonna go side by side. So, man, I was taken back by this first match. Desmond. We got the FTW champion, the machine, Brian Cage, with absolute Ricky Starks versus Hangman Adam Page. Wow. Um, first of all, let me get your thoughts. What are your thoughts about Brian Cage, and then what are your thoughts about uh, absolute Ricky Starks? First off, I want to say this. Brian Cage is absolutely fucking amazing. And that's not something you hear from me when it comes to big guys very often. Most of the time, I get very bored with powerhouses. Right. But Brian Cage has it all he's got the athleticism he's got the personality and he's got the uh, he's got the ability to switch it up and do different moves he's a machine and by all accounts this man is a world championship worthy at some point oh absolutely um, and I, I love the fact that they put him with taz because taz is obviously somebody who's been known as being a powerhouse and he has a different style and he can help brian cage work on the promo skills because brian has the personality but the promo skills themselves aren't 100 percent there yet and working with Taz is going to benefit that i definitely think so and i think like him working with absolute ricky starks i love ricky starks i'm not sure if you listened to the podcast last week um i was singing a praise as me and Vinny were um i oh, love yeah, ricky, ricky starks. starks ricky starks is aew's version of an early rock yeah you know it's okay. funny we said that we said exactly the same thing go on he is who the rock was in like 97 Absolutely agree. I, abs- I I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I said the same thing last week about Ricky Starks. I'm like, when eventually, because I told him like, just give him about six months. Like where he came from six months ago to where he is right now. I mean, like you know, leaps and bounds. Okay. And then, like, you know, if you get under six more months, whoever the TNT champion's going to be, he's going to take it. And when he gets that title, with that swagger, with the way he kind of performs and the way he, like, his pacing and, like, his uh his demeanor, the way he kind of carries himself, I mean, it's going to take him, like, 
to the moon. So I think when he does break away, it's going to be amazing. But unbeknownst to me, this is a number one contendership match. I didn't even think about it until after the match, after he announced it. Um, Hangman Adam Page versus the Brian Cage. And a big thing about this is what I'm a huge Adam Page fan. I'm pretty sure most of us are at this point. Absolutely. Adam Page, uh, he, like, just a lot like uh, Brian, Brian Cage, Adam Page has it all. Uh, he, he's got the power, he's got the athleticism, he's got the personality. And honestly, he's got the likability. Um, like Brian Cage comes off as a douche. He does. I think it's because I think it's, I think it's the way he he presents himself. Um, he's a he's an absolute brick house, right? And then he's got that douchebag kind of like button chops. He's got the douchebag kind of haircut. I mean, the guy the guy is probably like a big fucking teddy bear. But we wouldn't know any any different because on camera he looks like a douche. I mean, it's to us. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of being a good heel. Oh, absolutely. I've never seen him not be a heel. When it comes, but it, it, I think one of what happened though with this match, and I'm just gonna go ahead and say it, we with Brian Cage winning the match, it is like a lot of people are like, oh shit, that you know they're backing Adam Page off the spot. How they did it made it to where Adam Page didn't look weak because of, it. and I think that's the important thing. They had to jump him before the match to to give Brian Cage the advantage, and I think to me that makes it to where and Adam Page still had one hell of a showing in this match. He was a good match all in all and you know since they jumped before the match it makes it, it was okay that he lost well, I mean, like, it was, for me, it was it was definitely an upset when it came to it. I mean, but at the same time, I'm kind of happy with the booking, and let me explain why. Um, Hangman on a page was obviously set, crew, like, it, it, it looks like he had, like, a missile strapped to his back, and he was getting back into the title picture. But I still think it's too early, because with Kenny Omega, which we'll probably get to later on, Kenny Omega, being, like, the belt collector that he is, he needs to hold on to those titles for a little bit longer. Uh, he just won the Impact title, he's AAA champion, he's AEW champion, so this little gimmick they're going through, all these little, um, stint they're going through right now has to run its course so the person who's built up to be like the top baby face is obviously is hangman out of page with the personality of an anti-hero almost in a way so in order for it to happen hangman out of page has to drop in a ranking so that way when a time comes for him to actually take the title away from kenny omega um i think this is the best route it made um brian cage look like you know he's a contender he's gonna be the first one in line to get the title shot and that's awesome um i was swerved i didn't think that brian cage was gonna win because going into the match i was like okay hangman page has got this and when he lost him like it took my sales out at the same time i was like you know what that's wrestling it wasn't predictable it wasn't something i expected and i am somewhere happier for it i was wrestling entertained for it. i was like you know what that's good they gave it to cage that's awesome Every time we do a pay-per-view watch party. Every time. And most of the and most of the time we end up picking a lot of the same people and only one or two matches determines who wins because those are the well, those ones that were like, oh, I think this person's gonna win for this reason or I think this person's gonna win for that reason. Um, in this particular case, it's very rare that we're sitting there like we really don't know what's gonna happen. In this case, we thought Adam Page had won. There was no way that they were gonna take this number one contendership spot away from him right now. And then they did. And um, it's kind of it's kind of nice too the fact that you know something that should have been a traditional show something we could have predicted easy on the fact that they swerved us so quick and I'm like you know what that's good that's good booking like they really thought this through so that's I mean for me I'm excited about it I mean um, 
I can't say I'm the biggest fan of Cage. I'm, I don't hate him. I think he's great. Athleticized, you know, he's big. He's, he's locking in the promos, but that's not what's killing me about him. I loved him in the Lucha Underground. I liked him in Impact when he was there. Um, you know, I must say I'm like a, I'm a big mark for him, but at the same time, I do like the guy. I don't dislike him. I like him. So this one actually came out of nowhere, and um, I was kind of happy. It's like, you know, Hangman out of Page is like, you know, give it to the big guy. Let him let him get into the picture. And I'm not sure what storyline is going to happen, but I'm pretty sure he'll be going after Kenny Omega, at least after one of those titles, because he's got three of them to go after. So um, we're going to transition to the uh, next segment. we got the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, and Triple H. Mega Champion, AEW and Impact World Champion Kenny Omega, along with the Good Brothers and Don Callis were in a limousine. Omega said, despite Moxley and Kingston ramming a truck into their trailer last week, he is not afraid. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Eddie Kingston, you want me? You can get one of our goons first. Michael, Naka, Naka, Nakazawa. And... You know, I never really got your take on this. This is the first time you and I are talking about, you know, we're, we're correspondents for AW. How do you feel about the Young Bucks um, and the Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers? I mean, I guess the Good Brothers, but I guess like this whole stable with Don Callis. How are you feeling about this? Is this, is this, is this like the right move to do? Is this the, um, the direction we have to go with these characters? I think that giving Kenny Omega a stable was the best thing AEW has done. Because putting him as a faction, uh, putting him as a... I mean, putting him as a fan favorite the way they did, uh, he didn't have much of a personality. Let's be realistic here. He was boring. I have to agree with you. That's coming from somebody who is a Kenny Omega fan. I absolutely love Kenny, even when he was a face, because I loved watching him in ring. But his personality, his, his promos, they were just boring as a face. And some people are just born to be heels. I agree. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, like, we, we've seen a couple instances like that, though, in the past. Like, we've seen, like, Roman Reigns. The face thing just didn't work for him. When we, when we finally went, like, full heel, it clicked. And it clicked so good. I'm loving Roman, Roman Reigns' character right now. Um, what's his name? I was always a proponent of Roman Reigns. I was one of those people that always said that this man has Absolutely. The thing is, like, it doesn't make the person who they are. And the same thing could be said about Rollins. You know, I mean, when he was a face, it didn't really click that well. But when he became a heel, man, you know, whenever, like, he turned, or even CM Punk for that matter, you know, as a face, he was okay. But, like, as a heel, dude, he killed it. And there's, like, certain characters you just can't do it. It's true. He missed his mark on it, unfortunately.
I still pop when I hear his music. I still I still pop when I hear his music. Every time I hear that, I'm like, and I'm like, oh yeah, hold on, boo. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's absolutely true. But um, no, I'm definitely loving this uh, Don Callis faction. Um, you know, um, and the thing is, like, the Young Bucks, and let me put them in perspective. Young Bucks could not pull a face run to save their freaking lives, no matter how much times they sold and you know try to sit there and get some kind of intrigue to what's going on. Um, but I think part of the Young Bucks' problem that when they're trying to be a face, all they care about is super kick, super kick, super kick. That's true. And, but, but now with them being a heel, they're, like, they're taking pop culture stuff and then making it a bad thing to mimic, which is really hard to do. I mean, let's be honest here. It's like in WWE, you have the New Day who are always mimicking uh, pop culture. I mean, hell, their, their fucking logo right now is the Mortal Kombat symbol, except that it's a unicorn instead of a dragon. True. <laughs> but so it's really hard to take these major pop culture things and, and turn them into a heel thing, but the Young Bucks are doing it. Um, for 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 example, in their match last night, it was insane. He, he dropped down, did the Johnny Cage groin punch. It was perfect. You're right. And and, and, and he did it as a heel, and it, it made you actually want to boo him for the right reasons. The reasons you're supposed to boo a heel. That's true, man. Because I mean, like the match he's talking about, we had the Young Bucks versus um um. Matt and Nick Jackson versus um, Eminem, Seidel, Matt and Mike, the brothers, of course. And they said, hey, we're going to have a non-title match, but I at least want a chance to fight for the championships. They had a match, whatever. But what she said exactly, that was a Johnny Case punch. And the thing is, like, even when he punched him, like, in the nuts, whatever, he looked at the camera, like, the same way Johnny Cage does. I'm like, you know what? That's that's pretty brilliant, man. I'm all, that, that, That's fun. I'm liking, like, the new gear. I'm liking the new stuff, whatever, the new attitude, Don Callis. Um, at first, I was kind of like, okay, what's going on here with Don Callis and Kenny Omega? And then he became a belt collector, and you could definitely see the change that um, you know, that Don Callis has made into like not only the Young Bucks but also Kenny Omega, lighting a fire on them, and you know, making them like these despicable, horrible people, which I'm freaking loving, man. So I'm, I'm okay with it, man. You know? Yeah, they're, they're doing it right. It's like it's one of those deals where you take the right people who have the right who have the right gimmick, and it just makes magic. And that's what's happening right here. This is something that the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega have been needing for a while. And uh, honestly, we're about one step away from having a full Bullet Club back again. And I'm absolutely, I'm just loving every second of it. No, it's definitely a lot of fun. I, this is definitely a lot of fun. Um, I think the Seidel brothers are pretty fun. Obviously, we all know about Seidel. Um, unfortunately, he did the, um, the little slip up on that little battle royal. I mean, that's something he's never going to live down. But uh, he, he's there with his well, brother. Thing is, but he, he did do that. He did kind of live it down because nobody talks about it anymore except for us. Let's be realistic here. Yeah, that's cool. But it, it, that's that's going to be like the that's going to be the energy for the internet. I mean, going forward. I mean, that's I mean, he's a new shock master pretty much. But he's not. Well, with everything, I mean, with everything he's doing now, but the thing is, like, that's always going to be a stigma. I mean, like, whenever you look at, look at the worst botches in wrestling history, you know, Titus Worldwide's in there, Shockmaster's in there, um, Sid Vicious is on there, Scott Steiner with his promos. I mean, like... And it's wrestling. I mean, 
it's it's wrestling. It's gonna happen. It's bound to happen. But it's one of those things, though. Whatever. But um. So um, I'm gonna go to the finale of this match. We got the Bucks who finish off Max um uh, Mike Sedell with the BTE trigger and score the pin. And of course, SCU came out and uh, they came out to the ramp and talking about um. They said if they have one more loss, that they're going to break up. Um. What do you think they're so blatant about them breaking up? Is it because Kazarian wants to go in a backstage role, or what's the situation with that? Do you have any idea what's going on? Okay, okay, I can see that because we know we do have Scorpio Sky, who's uh, pretty much out of SCU, whatever. He's doing his own thing with uh, Ethan, uh, all ego Ethan Page, whatever. So pretty much, um, their number one contenders are going to go for the titles, which is pretty awesome. And um, I, I mean, I look forward to. It. I like I like uh, Christopher Daniels. I think Frankie Kazarian's freaking hilarious. I'm not sure if you watch him on being the elites um on a youtube channel have you been watching that at all i know i have not i pretty much if it's not actually the wrestling show i'm not really watching it. I, I don't even watch i don't even watch aw dark anymore and i was watching that every i would i mean i would i would definitely get into bt um bt i mean you don't have to watch the most latest ones but go back about 10 20 episodes and the cool thing about being um being the elite they have continuations from what you watch on um on dynamite and has continuations for things that happen after the match or like uh storylines that build off of it um i would definitely say on monday nights when it drops or mondays um during the day when it does drop i would definitely give it a watch man because it has some continuation it gives you some glimpse of what's going to happen on thursday as well too so it kind of gives you a little easter eggs for what might happen in the future of AEW. So um, if you have if you haven't been watching it, I'd give it a watch. If you're a correspondent, man, I mean you definitely want to check it out. I mean there's a lot of cool, funny stuff too. Um, I mean since you are an AEW fan and you love the product, um, I mean BT will be right up your alley because it's not just like Madden Jackson. It's got like the Dark Order. Um, it's got like um, I mean it's got everybody on there pretty much. But it's pretty cool. I think I think you'll love it because it's you know and then if it becomes like an inside joke. You can start like seeing stuff like that makes sense. But um, I don't know. It's up to you. If you want to watch it, cool. If you don't, that's fine too. But I just figure, you know, you may want to watch it because it's pretty, it's, you know, we're correspondents and you might like it. I'm just saying, it's a continuation from Dynamite, not from Elevation or Dark. It's a straight direction of uh, Dynamite. I mean, I, I get that. It's just one of those deals where I've got, you know, I've got so many other things I'm watching right now. <laughs> I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. Adding extra shit in there is just insane for me. All right, so next we got a video package from Miss Jade Cargill. Um, and she goes on to say, Managers want to sign me, but they want a percentage. It doesn't work that way. I'm my own boss. If they want me, they better impress because I'm that bitch, she said. What are your thoughts on Miss Cargill? I think she is the stereotypical better-than-thou character, and it's one of those things where I really find her to be boring. I, I, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I, you know, I was kind of trying to give her a chance to see what she's about, though. I think they put all this... This money, these promos, and everything else to try to make her this big thing, whatever. And you know how it is when you build expectations so high, if it doesn't live up to it, though, it's kind of like, oh, all that talk, no bark? I don't know, man. Um, I was trying to give Jade Cargill a, a pass, whatever. They brought her in with Shaq and had the thing with Cody and Brandy, and it was like, you know, Red Velvet and all that. Um, it just doesn't work for me. Like, who wants to, I mean, like, okay, cool. She might be some, some kind of a contender, but. She's making herself off to be a bigger deal than she really is. She's only had like a couple matches on here. And they were pretty big matches, but like mostly tags. Um, you fought with Red Velvet, who was not really synonymous or really like a big name in AEW. So it's kind of like, hey, I beat Peter Avalon. I'm a big deal. You know, it's like, really? Come on, man. Chill the fuck out.
I mean, I mean, I'm not sure what kind of following and where they picked her up from. I mean, don't get me wrong, she's got swagger. That's fine though, but it doesn't come off organic. It come off. It comes off of being forced or being conceited, and um, it's like the same thing with like you know. Um, what was that wrestler? JBL, when he came out and said he was a wrestling god and he was betting all these people, JBL was an okay wrestler. He wasn't great, but he made himself out to be bigger than he was, and that's why he didn't get, like, heat, like, regular heat. People just didn't like him. It's like, no, man, like, you're... Oh, that was it, though. That was, that was perfect. Because he, was, he, he was a great wrestler, and we knew that from his fucking from his attitude. Like, he was to say too because i mean he um let me wrong he was oh, he was a, okay he, he, he's a shitty announcer but jbl knew exactly the right thing to say at the right time he played the heel especially against people like the undertaker and he did it so well and i just don't feel like i'm getting that same um feeling but here's another thing i stand by it as well it, back to what i was saying before JBL was already established. We knew who he was. So we when he came out saying that he was better. It made sense. We don't know who the fuck Jade is. No, you're right, though. I mean, I, I'm not going to hang up my boots on her yet. I mean, she might grow to be something better. I mean, I said the same thing about Britt Baker. I mean, she wasn't great at first, and now she's one of the better things on TV for AEW. So um, we'll wait. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see with time because if she's got all that swagger, she thinks she's better than anybody else. You can keep telling people you're great. But you just got to show it, though. And I think we just need more time and more screen time to get us there. But um, I think it's time for us to move on to the next segment. We have Penta El Zero Merdo with Alex Abrahantes versus Freshly Squeezed Orange Cassidy. Um, Alex Abrahantes, he's obviously, he's on BTE as well. Um, if you watch BTE, he's actually part of the Dark Order, secretly. Uh, but he's not the interpreter for um, um, Pentagon. I'm just going to call him Pentagon. I'm not going to call him Penta El Zero Merdo. Fuck that. Uh, Pentagon uh, versus Orange Cassidy, uh, Alex Abrahantes, and the funny thing is, if I'm mistaken, every time he he says something for Pentagon, he's just making up shit as he goes. That's not what he's saying in Spanish at all. Of course. Out of his pockets in this match. He knew Penta was a threat. He just needed to get in his head for a minute. 
And that's what it is, too. I mean, like, um, Orange Cassidy, and don't get me wrong, I like the guy. You know what I'm saying? I was in on a joke a long time ago because I watched him on BT. I mean, uh, when I first studied, um, when they when he first told me about AEW and I had to learn up all these different characters, uh, Orange Cassidy, Luchasaurus, uh, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and all them, uh, Orange Cassidy is something I kept an eye on. I'm like, dude, you need to keep an eye on this guy because this guy has a shtick. It's a... It's a joke, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's a good shtick that works. But the thing is, you have to keep it capped. You got to keep it capped. You can't use it all the time. It's like a, you can't be a one-trick pony when it comes to it. Um, so, uh, Vinny absolutely fucking hates it, which I think it's adorable when he sits there and gets all pissed off and bent on the shape about Orange Cassidy because he listens to Jim Cornette. And don't get me wrong, I do too. I like Jim Cornette. Um, he's a great historian, but... His views could be very tainted sometimes about what he thinks the wrestling business should be. His wrestling IQ has not evolved because he's so sudden in the past, he can't see what's going on with the future. Now, if he wants to give you finishes when it comes to things, he's a brilliant man. But man, does he hate Kenny Omega. Man, does he hate the Young Bucks. Man, does he hate Orange Cassidy. Um, you know, it's a new style of wrestling. It's a new breed of wrestling. It's not something that he's really privy to, or not really privy to, but he hates, he hates the new style so much that he just dogs and just calls them dog shit cosplay uh, grab ass wrestlers. And, uh, you know, Vinny kind of takes that sentiment when it comes to it. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, Vinny has his own opinions about things, and he doesn't just, just listen to Cornette. He has his own opinions. But I kind of believe that in the same fact with Orange Cassidy, when it comes to his personality, you got to kind of keep it capped, and you can't use that same trick over and over again. I mean, the thing is, Orange Cassidy, we both know, could go. When he fought, um, well, what's it? Is, oh, oh, let me stop you right there. You just say, oh, you can't do the same thing over and over again. What the fuck do you think you, the Rock did the same thing over and over and over again? I mean, Stone Cold did the same thing over and over and over and over again. No, 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 no. I, I, Hulk Hogan's still doing the same shit from the goddamn 80s. Right, but I mean, I, no, no, I'm not, no, I see what you're talking about when it comes to those signature moves. I get it, though, but the thing is, the reason why I'm saying he's got to cap it for TV as of right now, and it's not because of it's an old shtick and it's done out quick. It's not that. And the reason why is because um, that shtick that he's doing with the shin kicks and the hands in the pockets, that thing pops like a motherfucker. Because I went, to, I went to a live AEW show uh, with Vinny, um, and then when you watch it on TV, every time Orange Cassidy comes on there, dude, biggest pop of the night. I mean, every single time. There's people dressed up like him. People have the signs, the, like the, the the big foam hands, all that stuff on there. Dude, I know he's a big draw. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to people out there, he gets a big pop every time he comes out there. But because of the lack of people in the audience, it doesn't really resonate as well because you don't have the electricity in the air. You don't have, like, that chant. You don't have the, you know what I'm saying, like, that pop that you, that you usually get. So that's what I'm saying. If there's not as many people in the audience, like, I see just hold back on it. So when you actually do have people in there, then bring it out to get that full pop. Because a half pop doesn't sound right for some reason. At least in my head, it doesn't. Yeah, see, I've said that before, too. I don't give two shits about the fans in the audience. I really don't. I do. I do. I do. I, 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 I do. I like the wrestling. I watch it for the wrestling. I don't give two shits about who the fans are cheering. I really don't. I don't give two shits about what they like. I like what I like. Oh, I mean, and that's, that's, I mean, that's admirable. Yeah. That's fine. But I guess for me, like, you know, for me, um, whenever, you know, so let's say you're rooting for someone, like, you know, for myself, I'm a, you know, let's say Orange Cassie for that matter. So let's say Orange Cassie's your guy, but he hasn't gotten over, he hasn't got whatever, because, you know, Orange Cassie's over, regardless. But the thing is, like when you put when you put stock in somebody, and you see the person you put stock in actually rise and get that pop and do all stuff. I guess for me, when I hear the audience cheering for the same things I'm going for, I'm like, oh my god, finally he's over. Finally. That's a lot. That's a lot like me with the early days of Bray Wyatt. They were booking him shit. Yeah. You know, um, because I'm a huge follower of Bray Wyatt. 
Power of Ray Wyatt from the day that the Wyatt family debuted. I just I fell in love with the gimmick. Right. And and it continued on and continued on. Even even with after loss after loss, I continued to back him. And that 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 when he finally won that uh championship in the in the elimination chamber, uh, I was like, holy fuck! They finally gave it to him. Then he lost it immediately after. And I was like. You motherfuckers! But I continued to back him, even even when the fans who supported him early on were starting to give up on him. I didn't because I like what I like, no matter who everyone else. You know, that's one of those deals. I get it though. It's like there were times when I was pissed off at WWE for you know for not treating him right, but it is. But you know, there's only so much you can do with that. That's true. It's got a shelf life, unfortunately. You know, poor booking and poor decisions. You know, led him to where he's at, though. I mean, like, but the guy, re- the guy reimagines himself every couple of years, man. He's like a phoenix. You know, he has a he has a fantastic role. He goes through it though. He gets buried in the dust. He gets buried for a while. Comes back up fresher than anything. Then he takes the company by storm for a while. Then he'll sit there and you know lay dormant for a while and he'll come back as somebody else. So I have no worry about Bray Wyatt. I mean, and, and, and the thing is, like, that's a good moniker to have. You know what I'm saying? Like, he takes everything they give him, makes it amazing. It runs for a while until booking pretty much buries him. He's like, all right, cool. I got another idea. How about this? He's like, all right, pal. Let's do it. It's good shit. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I'm a huge fan of, of, of the gimmick. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that this will see i mean time will tell but um so we're gonna get to this match over here um the match we picked up with orange cassie picking up a win when he grabbed Ab- um, alex abrahante's microphone clocked him in the head oh mr pentagon jr he got hit in the head one two three orange cassie picked up the win um next we had tony shivani interviewed Britt breaker backstage earlier today and she says i am at the top of the profile respected and logical wins Losses rankings. I think it's time to remind our champion why I'm the face of the women's division, said Baker. Dude, I am so excited, man. I've I remember me and Vinny, and I think you me you might you and I may have talked about it before too, about Britt Baker, how she was so much on the cusp of being like this big time wrestler. I we know where we know she's dating Adam Cole, but you know, talent doesn't like trade over sexually, I guess. Um, but the thing is, like, you know, we knew that she it was there. It just seems like every time she was putting on a promo, she was trying to be a tough guy. Like, six months ago, I mean, like, you know, it was like we had, like, that horrible tooth and nail match, whatever, which is garbage. Um, big, you know, versus Big Swall. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, she's right there. What the heck happened? You know, that pay-per-view was garbage. It wasn't great. But then she had that match with Thunder Rosa. And it seems like anybody who has a match with Thunder Rosa just becomes elevated. That match they had for the, for the main events a couple of weeks ago was freaking amazing. Um, she's really changed her character. Her promo skills have been a lot better. And, man, I am so happy that Britt Baker is finally coming into her own. Her promos don't seem forced. She seems, like, more comfortable on the microphone. She seems like herself. It doesn't seem like it's a forced kind of event. You know how it is, like, some wrestlers, when they try to go out there and say something, they try to come off as a certain way, but they're just off the mark. That pacing is just a little bit off. And it seems like Britt Baker's finally hitting her stride after all this time. I mean, it took about a year and a half, but you know what? I'm fine with it. Um, a year and a half, and now she's finally like looking amazing. So good for Britt Baker, man. I'm super happy about her. It's about time. Yeah, she finally. I don't know. I didn't like her promo 
promos for the longest time, and she's finally starting to grow on me. I, I, I don't know if her promos have really gotten that much better or if something else has changed, but I, Britt Baker's definitely growing on me as well, so I completely get what you mean. Yeah, I mean, it's, it took a little time for her to kind of, like, find her footing to kind of get, like, into her character and, like, really make it mesh because it seems like she was rushing through the promos or it was too slow to delivery. I'm not sure what it was exactly. I couldn't put my finger on it for quite some time. But now she's finally hit it. Now it seems comfortable. Now it seems like her pacing, her character, what the way it's supposed to be. And I, for one, am happy. I mean, I love Sheeta. I think she's fantastic. She's been a great champion. Even before she was champion, I thought she should have been champion. She was there, like, during the pandemic. You know, she was fighting every week. I mean, she did everything she can for the company. She finally became champion. Had a plethora of challenges in front of her, obstacles. Um, she's run her course with the championship. I think for her, I'm not sure she has to go into a tag team or possibly do a fa uh, a heel turn. But I'm not really worried about Sheeta. She's got I mean, she's great where she's at. Uh, but Britt Baker, I think it's time for her to take the title away from her and, uh, you know, have her have a good run with it. Because I think Britt Baker's ready now. She wasn't ready before, but she definitely is now. Yeah, I, I think that... Especially um, with her having the ability to have people working with her and for her, I think Britt Baker, as the heel position that she's got right now, probably the best person to take the, uh, the title from she. Absolutely, and the thing is, like, it's realistic. Is that like something like you know, they're about. I mean, they're about the same size. Obviously, Britt Baker having the size advantage when it comes to height, but when it comes to skill, when it comes to you know fortitude when it comes to all these different factors i mean it's gonna be, it's gonna be a great match regardless so whoever wins or loses us the fans are gonna win because it's gonna be a great match so i for one looking forward to it but um guys now it's time to uh go inside of the parlay for blood and guts now uh we got the inner circle and the pinnacle obviously they're gonna go face to face a parlay is obviously we need to sit there and you have a little showdown get in a ring start talking shit to each other before everything starts tony shivani kind of gives us the more specifically a parlay that was mainly used for sailors as a sign of peace as you went to talk to the captain. The captains could talk without blowing each other up. Yeah. Basically what this is for. Yeah, it's, it's pirate talk for all those uh, pirate people out there, the pirate enthusiasts out there. So Tony, Tony Schiavone kind of sit there and he kind of gives a little glimpse. I mean, it's pretty much war games. Um, you got two rings. Um, you know, I mean, first it starts off with like the pinnacle come out with personal security and the circle come out with security, but like, you know, the bodyguards on Harleys. Um, pretty much he gives the rules, uh, it'll be two rings, you know, it'll start with one person, ver you know, uh, one up versus one, and every two minutes another man enters, so, so, you know, there's gonna be, like, you know, they'll be alternating back and forth until all the members are in, and then, um, pretty much to trying to figure out who gets the, um, the advantage tonight, um, so pretty much, like, they're going back and forth, Sean Spears, like, he's had a warning for the inner circle, Jericho's leading into the deep waters, Sibby Guerrero says, Spears, I don't believe you, ever since you came to AEW, you've been a failure, May 5th, you're gonna fail again, I'm going to fight everybody you want to take advantage. You've got it. Um, and pretty much he also said, like, you know, you failed in that other company. You're going to fail here, too, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> that was great. Um, Cash Wheeler told Santana Ortiz um, that they better not bring their soft versions to Blood and Guts because they're not going to make it out. Next Hardwood said the inner circle was in his world now and he's not afraid to die. That's kind of weak. Um, Santana said uh, in seven days the pinnacle will be locked up with the inner circle. And obviously you had DF and Chris Jericho. MGF says, as a, as a gentleman, I'd like to thank Chris Jericho. Without you, there is no AEW. You are a top guy to draw the bridge for the Laps fan. All while you managed to create the best group in pro wrestling, the Inner Circle. I'll give you that. However, Chris, I can't imagine the pressure you must feel, because let's face it, man. Every time you come out here, if you don't hit a home run, you're taking food out of everyone's uh, mouth of the company. You look exhausted, Chris. 
<laughs> you don't have to worry anymore because you don't have to worry anymore, Chris, because come next week at Blood and Guts, I'm gonna take that heavy burden off the off the crown of your head, and the pinnacle will take its place atop the mountain. When I look down at your mangled body after Blood and Guts, I won't say thank you. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> that was great. Um Chris Jericho. That was a great promo. Go ahead. I know. I mean, that promo was fucking gold. It was spitting fire. And of course, uh, Jericho, being the veteran, comes out and says, How do you think you can inherit a spot just because you want it? It doesn't work that way. You want a spot, you gotta earn it. At 25 years old, I headlined arenas in Japan and Mexico. And that's why I learned respect. If you want my spot, a good place to start is by um, earning it at Blood and Guts. You want to talk about family? The inner circle is a family. Part of AEW since day one. You're going to have to kill us and make us surrender. And when that doesn't happen, you're, oh, we're going to step on you like a pile of crap that you are. In 1969 was the summer of love. 2021 will be the summer of pain for the pinnacle. And next week, blood and guts. Summer starts early for you. I think MJF won this one when it comes to the battle. Because, like, dude, he killed it on this promo. Well, here's the thing is, MJF did kill it. But as simple as, uh, as Jericho Tort was, it said absolutely everything he needed to say. Absolutely. And Jericho is one of those very few talked about uh, you know people who were born heels Jericho is one of those few people that can do it all and this right here this promo once again proved it he, he, he said exactly what he needed to do to get the fans hyped while still being the good guy and right now with him doing the face gimmick every bit as smooth as he did with the heel shit it's perfect no, it is. I mean, it's it's perfectly good, man. I mean, I mean, sometimes less it's more. Um, you know, MGF kind of brought it to a new level, but um, I'm I'm excited. This really got me hyped up for next week for Blood and Guts because um, this is something that was supposed to take place last year, but a pandemic hit. It was supposed to be between the Elite and um, the Inner Circle. Um, the Elite, of course, uh, have their own thing going on right now, so they got um, this group on here. So it's fine. I'm excited about it. Next week's gonna be a good one, so it's gonna be a banger. I can't wait to see it though and recap it because it's gonna be amazing. Um, up next, we got the Mad King, Eddie Kingston versus Michael Naka, Naka, Nakazawa. Um, we start off in the kick. This was an ass woman. I mean, pretty much you had Kingston in the ring. He's like, nah, man, I ain't having none of this shit. <laughs> like, you know, I'll, he's like, I don't even want you. Nakazawa, you ain't, you're not even my level. Um, just bring on Kenny Omega ready. I don't want to deal with this shit. So you blast him with the freaking laptop. Um, and Kingston just put a whooping on Nakazawa. Kenny Omega finally comes out, he's like, you know what? Michael Nakazawa knew he signed up for it. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a shit. And he calls out Brandon Cutler. <laughs> Brandon Cutler, go take care of this shit, whatever. He gets thrown out by Mox. Mox has got freaking um, Omega in a sleeper hole, and he says he's going to break his ankle unless he get a tag team match against Omega Nakazawa. And Callus agreed. Okay, this is kind of weird. I would imagine, like, you know, Mox would be going after, um... The Young Bucks, but for some reason they're going after Nakazawa and Kenny Omega? Is it just to get their hands on Kenny Omega, you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. This is not about tag team. This is about retribution for Kenny Omega turning the way he did. I mean, and, yeah. And Mox is just getting the help that he needs from a long-time friend, short-time rival, and it's, it, it, once again, it's one of those it's doing exactly what it needs to do. And 
they're going, they're going after Omega because they want the championship. They don't give a fuck about the tag teams. No, I, 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 I think like it's not about winning tag team gold. It's more about just like decimating. Don Callis' group because of the shenanigans. I mean, the way Moxley lost with the microphone from Don Callis and Kenny Omega, you know, turning into the heel, I mean, that's got implications. And plus they had that Bob Wars C4 match, whatever, and uh, with the with the sparklers and the smoke bombs we talked about so many times before, um, you know, a little retribution from that little garbage thing we had on there. But no, I completely agree. Uh, maybe it's just retribution. That's all it is because I got to say, I talked with Vinny last week and I, I, I was talking about how I love the pairing of John Moxley and Eddie Kingston together, and uh, man, I, I just love those guys together. Their chemistry it radiates on my screen, and I think it's so amazing the way like their 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 chemistry, you know, their friendship, and like you know, remember we saw the Shield, and you know they were a cohesive unit, they were friends, they were a group, whatever, and it, it, it it's almost like a whole different elevated kind of tag team with these two because they fought each other. Um, and they were there for each other, and now they're just hanging out. And just, they just seem like good drunken buddies who hang out and who actually fight too. So it's pretty cool. Well, it's one of those deals where Mox is able to be himself more here than he was when he was Ambrose in the Shield. Because he's able to be himself. The chemistry between him and an actual lifelong friend goes so much better yet. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, like, it's just fun to watch. Um, I just like watching these two. Like, their chemistry on screen is super fun. Um, Mox seems like he's having a lot of fun. Kingston's having a lot of fun. Um, they're still, like, t like in a title picture, but not really, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're in the main event still. And um, it looks like, you know, Mox is bringing um, Kingston with them, too, to this title picture and getting him in the mix of it. So, it's 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 fun all around. Um, I like the booking they've been doing lately and putting those two together because, like I said last week, um, talking about Mox's character, when he first came in, he was chasing at the title, won the title, lost the title, and now he's just like in a tag team now, kind of like separates him from the title picture, but at the same time, he's still in the main event, and I think it's smart on his part, having the control that he has to still stay relevant, but at the same time, still have something to chase after, even though it's not the title itself, but still chasing after the champion, you know, so it's it's pretty fun, I like it. Uh, I, I'm, well, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes, um, Absolutely. Well, to the next segment over here, um, we got uh, team, uh, Taz was backstage interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Uh, Christian Cage walked out to address Taz. Um, he says, you talk a big game, Taz, but to back it up, you surround yourself with Team Taz just to feed your own ego. I represent everything you wish you could do. I will not allow you to leech off me. So go ahead and send Team Taz after me one by one, and they'll learn a lesson. Hopefully, before it's too late, they'll realize they'd be better off without you. Enough said. Christian Cage, loving them, man. I love it. I'm loving them here in um, in AEW. Um, yeah. Where was this WWE? Yeah. I wish I had seen this Christian all those years ago. Yeah. I. You know. Me too. I, you know. I kind of wish I did too. But at the same time, better now than ever. You know. Um. I mean, you wish it was there a long time ago. But at the same time, like it's here now. Um. It's more. It's here when I need it. So I'll take it. Um. You know. I think of the way he performs. Solo spot in the uh, Hall of Fame, but he with the way it, but with how it didn't happen, the way it changed, he doesn't deserve that spot. 
No, I get it. And the yeah. thing is, like, you know, maybe maybe he just, it, maybe that didn't click for him. Maybe it seems like every time he went back to WWE, he was always casting a shadow, and he always had that fear. And, you know, you think these superstars who are bigger than life, whatever, think like they're immortal or, you know, they're, they're, they're not prone to being jealous or living in a shadow. And he might have worked, I worked everybody, but he wasn't that great. He wasn't given the opportunity. And if he wasn't given, if he was given opportunity, he didn't make the most of it. So I think maybe now that the fact that he's a, I mean, I would definitely say AW is a lesser company because they haven't been around that much. And it's not to the standard, I'm not, I'm not saying standard, but it's not to the to the heights that the the big machine that WWE is has reached yet. But I think now that he's in AEW, he's more able to kind of like let his guard down and just be himself. And then whenever people are just being themselves without being forced to be a certain way, it radiates on TV and it's fun. And I think I think Christian's actually having fun. He's able to wrestle again. Um, he's having a time of his life. It looks like because I mean you could see it on TV. It's it's you know transparent and it's fun to watch. So I love seeing Christian Cage. In this role now, I mean, if the, I don't care if he gets a title or not, as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, I'm entertained for one week, and I will wait till the next one to see Christian Cage again. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and I like the fact they didn't put Christian Cage right into a title picture. Oh, I agree. Absolutely, and I have to agree with that. But um, moving to the next segment here, uh, next match we're gonna have Chris Stetlander with Orange Cassidy versus Penelope Ford with uh, Super Bad Kip Sabian. And uh, dude, I'm so happy to have Chris Stetlander back. I've missed her so much. I missed her little nose boop. I know it sounds stupid, but I love her so much. I think she's so great. Um, I like uh, if you watch Being the Elite, they have a couple segments together between Orange Cassidy and Chris Stetlander. You would think they're a couple, but they're not. Um, she's actually engaged to some other wrestler, I think, in Ring of Honor or something. Um, but um, they have such great chemistry together. Um, Penelope Ford, she was returning too. She was out for quite a small stint to herself. So uh, we have two returning people on here, which is pretty awesome. And Kip Sabian's been our t off our TV screen for quite some time. Um, this is a pretty short match. Obviously, Stanliner hitting the uh, Big Bang Theory, obviously, and finish off Ford. Um, but I thought this was pretty cool, man. Um, I'm super happy to see Chris Stanlander. She is one of my favorites when it comes to the women's. Um, I want to see her in title pictures straight away because she just got back. But, man, she looks better. She looks more fit. She looks healthier. She looks rested. And, uh, I'm so happy she's back. Oh, 100%. I absolutely love Chris Stanlander. And the grouping of the nose, as silly as it is, that's what makes it so Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's all it's all mental games, pretty much at this point. And uh, dude, it's 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 just fun to watch, man. I mean, when I mean, Satliner is so much fun to watch. I, I follow her on Instagram. Um, she's fucking weird, dude. I fucking love her death. Um, and if you go to um, her Instagram page, um, I'm not sure about you. I may be a stigma about this, but I'm like, dude, you need to clean your fucking house. <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, oh no. Um, it just, it just, it's a small little thing. It's nothing crazy, but nonetheless, um, she's awesome. I'm glad she's back. She's having the best time of her life. It looks like. And um, next on, on to the next segment, we have time for trios tag team match. We have the Nightmare Family: uh, Dustin Rhodes, Billy Gunn, and Lee Johnson versus the Factory, QT Marshall, Aaron Sarlo, and Nick Camarado. Um, dude, 
I gotta ask you, what do you feel about, how do you feel about QT Marshall the factory stable now? And how do you feel about QT Marshall as a whole as opposed to where it was six months ago? Uh, honestly, um... It's not hitting with you yet? I, I, it really isn't. Uh, I, I feel like, I feel like the Nightmare family was kind of just thrown together and the, and the Nightmare, what do they call it, the Nightmare, uh, Oh, the factory or the Nightmare family? Factory. I mean, I, I got a question for I got I got a question for you. Did you ever watch Cobra Kai? No. Okay, so I guess we could do it the like you have Cobra Kai versus the Miyagi Dojo, pretty much. You know, the Miyagi Dojo is going to be the Nightmare Family. You know, Mr. Miyagi's Dojo with Daniel's son and whatever, and you have um, Cobra Kai being like the bad guys, whatever. QT Marshall, in my opinion, I talked about it last week. I touched on it just a bit. Um, QT Marshall, I thought was the blandest, dumbest wrestler we had on the roster. Now he had. You know, he was training people in the Nightmare Family, obviously. They had a big stable, you know, growing all the younger talent for tomorrow's AEW superstars that are on Elevation and on Dark. But QT Marshall always got the short in the stick. Like, he was training people. He was Cody's friend. Um, he was dating the Bunny for a while on TV. But at the same time, like, he got fucked over by her. So there's a lot of things going on with it. So, like, you never really had a character for QT Marshall. And the weird thing is he was the most blandest, vanillas, vanillaest freaking wrestler on the planet aw i was like dude i mean other than the fact that he's trading people what's he doing on my screen he's boring since this took place since he broke away from the nightmare family and started his own collective with the factory with nick camarado which nick camarado he kind of looks like brody I mean, a, a bruiser brody man that dude is huge um, I love him. Like he, you know, he's he's got the wild hair and a beard or whatever. He kind of has the little mannerisms of uh, Brody Lee um, or uh, Bruiser Brody. Um, I'm loving Nick Camarado, man. That guy is huge. Wild hair, wild Samoan hair. I mean, he's a white dude, but with wild Samoan hair and a beard, dude. Like the dude is perfect. I love his character. I think he's so great. Um, I'm lo I'm digging QT Marshall, man. QT Marshall is. Um, his faction is pretty darn awesome. I'm really excited about him. Um, QT Marshall hasn't looked this great in quite some time, so I'm super happy. Um, we had a whole bunch of different fights on here, and then we had a returning Cody Rhodes uh, making a play on QT and uh, putting a figure four on top of a bus. And God knows, every time you put a figure four on top of a table or in a bus, it hurts twice as much more. I don't know why, but the announcers told me they do, so I know it does. <laughs> And I got a question: Was 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 uh was um was Cody Rhodes just hiding in the in the bus the whole time, just to go out there and hoping that QT Marshall made on top of the bus? I mean, it was kind of weird. Like, was he just waiting? Like, hey, hey, Cody, he's on top of the bus. Go get him. Do the figure four, bro. <laughs> like, it was so weird. Uh, nonetheless, man, that was super fun, man. Like everybody knows, um, I love Cody, man. He could do no wrong to me. I think he tells a great story when it comes to promos, when it comes to wrestling matches. Is he a five star wrestler? No, um, but he does good enough. Um, but I think the emotion they. Go ahead. A big, a big thing with Cody is that he has worked with so many greats. Of course. He's worked with Triple H. He's worked with Ric Blair. He's worked with uh, uh, Randy Orton. I mean, he has learned from so many of the most uh, of the biggest names in pro wrestling, and that he knows the psychology. He knows what he needs to say. Uh, it's like he's never going to be the most exciting wrestler. He's not 
not, you know, he's not going to do the crazy blind stuff. He's never going to be the powerhouse. He's never going to be the John Cena. He's never going to be the, you know, the Batista. So with his style, he's kind of set in the middle. And it's kind of weird for him, but he is still a big name and a big draw. So it's a, it's a weird position with him being so popular without being that top-tier guy that so many of the people he's worked with have been. No, I mean, I, I think you're, I think you hit the nail on the coffin. I mean, don't get me wrong. When he was in WWE, he was white lightning hot before he left. Um, you know, when he had, like, the ladder in a match when he lost against Damian Sandow, um, and Damian Sandow took the, the briefcase, dude, he was white lightning hot. And after that, though, he was pretty fucking hot for a while. And what did they do to cool him off? They gave him a Stardust gimmick, and they made it to the independence. Joined a Bullet Club, did some great things, and you're right, he's never going to be a top guy. I mean, but the thing is, he knows his limits. He knows what he can do, he knows what he can't do. Um, he can sit there and sell a passionate promo. He can sit there and have some great matches. Um, I think the first all-in when they had it for him versus Nick Aldis, I think it was probably one of his best matches he's ever had. And, you know, it was so much fun to watch. Um, you know, Cody, you know, coming to his own, um, building this company and get everything taken care of. I mean, he, he knows his limits. But the thing is, like, he knows that he'll give you everything he can uh, when it comes to these kind of matches. So... I mean, I love Cody. He could never do any wrong because he, you're right, he's never going to be the big powerhouse like Batista or, um, you know, John Cena. He's never going to be a high flyer like Phoenix or Pentagon. He's always going to be that guy who could actually put somebody over or draw some kind of motion and make you feel for something, which is something that most wrestlers can't do. So he's got a special power in himself every time he comes out to the ring. If he wants to put somebody over, by God, he'll do it. If he wants to sit there and come up as an asshole, he'll do it. He makes you feel. He makes you feel something every time he comes out there. It, it, either being a U.S. Championship match, fighting against his brother, fighting with his brother for a tag team title match, whatever it is, he always makes you walk through. He paints a picture of feelings in your mind when it comes to whatever match he does. And I think he pictures. I mean, he he paints a picture of anybody else um, in the company. I, I mean, I would say second to none. I would say for sure. Absolutely. And, and that's what makes him such a phenomenal worker. No, I, I appreciate Cody, but I mean, I, I can't wait to see him. He's finally back, so I want to see what direction he's going to take next. I mean, who knows? Um, obviously, it's a QT Marshall as of right now to have some retribution for his brother and some other different things. And, you know, the Nightmare Family versus the Factory. So that's something that I think that they're summing up as of right now for next pay-per-view. Um, and it says over here also on May 12th on Dynamite, the IWGP U.S. Champion John Moxley versus Yuji Nagata are going to be fighting for that title. Um, I think it's because they want to take the title away from Moxley because because of the travel ban. They've had it on it, though. They couldn't get that title in there, and they had um, Wrestle Kingdom not so long ago, and Moxley was unable to defend it or even go there and actually just drop the title, do whatever. So I think they send Yuji Nagata uh, just to come over here and have a bout. I'm pretty sure some shenanigans are going to happen where uh, Yuji actually wins it and goes back to Japan with that title. I got a second prediction. I think what's going to happen is there's going to be some shenanigans, and then maybe Yuji wins it, but at the same time, Kenny Omega comes out, challenges Yugi Nagata to a match, and collects that title too, becomes the t uh, a New Japan wrestling champion, AAA champion in Mexico, Impact champion, AEW champion. He'll hold four belts. That's my prediction. I mean, it's a, I guess it's a viable prediction. You know, or just wishful thinking. 
we'll see where, where things go from here. Yeah, no doubt. So then, finally, we get uh, almost to our last segment. We have Miro, who ambushed Kip Sabian. He slams his hand through a door. Uh, where wait, do you... wait, wait, wait a second for a second. Miro didn't really ambush Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian went into Miro's locker room, and then Miro attacked him. He says... It wasn't re- I guess. I mean, you would say, though, I'm just kind of happy this whole Kip Sabian thing's over because Miro needs to be a force to be reckoned with. He needs to be that monster. He's he's supposed to be the person that, the person we wanted to see a long time ago. And he wasn't quite there um, with this whole best man gamer thing, whatever. You know, we're gamers. We play games. But at the same time, it's like, come on, dude. Like, we need you to be that monster. We need you to be, bring that brutality. We need you to, we need to see that angry side of uh, Miro. We have Oh, yeah. And we can get that. And his fans, like, we're kind of disappointed at first. I'm like, dude, come on, man. Like, you wanted, you wanted out of your contract. You got out. You got released. You wanted the top things that got released. You come into AEW. You're supposed to be the shiny beacon light of what can be. And then, like, you decided to be a gamer. I mean, that's cool. You, you, got, you, got, some, you got some thousands of people following you on... Um, you know, on Twitch, whatever. I'm glad you got there, but now, like, let's let's do some work now. Now, this is the Miro I needed in my life. Um, hopefully, this is the remnants of what's supposed to be, because before it wasn't there before, and it's finally getting there. So, thank God, he dropped the baggage, and I can move on his own. And just, I just want him to tear through everybody, not just like anybody. I want him to start from the bottom. Kip Sabian, Peter Avalon. I wanted to go through Griff Garrison. I want to go through Jungle Boy. I want to go through Luchasaurus, through uh, Marco Stunts. You know, all ego Ethan Page. I want him to go through everybody. You know, get that TNT championship. Now, in all fairness, I don't really want him to go through Luchasaurus because I freaking love. No, no, Luchasaurus. no, 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 no. I, no, listen, I do too, man. Luchasaurus is awesome. He needs to break away from like Jurassic Express or just they just need to get rid of Marco Stunt. Is what it is. Um, we we could talk about that for days, but um, Luchasaurus just needs to branch on his own. I mean, like, it shouldn't be like a breakup where like you know someone turns on the other person. Um, I just I just feel like hey let's we're friends but you know what though I don't want to do tag team anymore I just want to focus on my singles and that's it simple you know handshake hug whatever you got to do and call it a day um, they shouldn't break up like you know in the traditional form where a tag team breaks up because one person turns in the other one I think they could do it amicably and I think it'd be even better to see on TV because you don't really want to see that much. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the main event. It's Wednesday night. See what that means. TNT Championship on the line. We got 10 versus Darby Allen. And by God, Darby Allen, in the past couple weeks, man, 
He's not just all high flies and getting his ass whooped and being tossed around like a ragdoll. Now, don't get me wrong. He, he did get tossed around like a ragdoll a little bit, though. But he's been more wrestling proficient, I would say, in the past couple weeks. I'm not sure what sparked this, though. But maybe he read the comments online about... Go ahead. I've always said he was good in the ring. Oh! Uh, that's one of those things people are like, oh, he's just, he, he does, he, he is bad about taking a big ass beat and, and, and making that comeback pin at the end. I mean, he, that's definitely kind of his thing. I'm not going to disagree with you. But his technical wrestling has always been on point. He's always been good with the arm drags and the, and, and the chain wrestling and the. I mean, he's had a lot of great wrestling moves. That he throws in with the speed and the and the flying stuff that he does. No. So I don't. It's one of those deals where I've never understood what people are like. Oh, he's well, just, he's just a guy who gets sad. Well, 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 I think like the narrative from like the IWC and me being part of the IWC, I think it kind of stand for that. I mean, I know our our scene's kind of toxic when it comes to it, but the narrative for Darby Allen was pretty much like he was pretty much like a, a punching bag. So. Was he proficient in the ring before? Probably, but the thing is, with us seeing the majority of his work was just being tossed around like a ragdoll or doing all these depth-defying stunts or, you know, jumping off a bridge or doing whatever, um, that kind of takes away, you know, I think now, because I haven't seen so much of it, just seeing, like, you know, him being him and being a proficient in wrestling, I think when he took away those other factors, like the death-defying stuff, whatever, being tossed around and actually show him wrestling, because everybody knows he could go. I mean, he's a good wrestler. But the thing is, when you overdo those spots, um, it kind of took away from his wrestling uh, proficiencies because you kind of stuck with he was just being tossed around like a ragdoll as opposed to, man, this guy could really go. Um, so it's, you got to break away from that sometimes, you know, when it comes to wrestlers. Um, you got to break away and you got to change the script. And like it looks like Darby Allen's been flipping the script for the past couple weeks and showing what he what he can do. Because is he capable? Absolutely. But but he felt like he had to do those things in order to you know make himself prevalent in certain matches. And I think he's showcasing something different. I'm not sure it's um, the tutelage of Sting being on his corner or whatever the situation is. But um, in the past couple weeks, they've re they've really been booking these people well. And for the second week in a row, I mean Darby Allen main evented. Um, AEW Dynamite and he stole a show. Uh, this match was no different. Ten was fantastic. Um, he was the White Knight of Dark Order. He still is, um, he, of oh, course. Absolutely. And so I mean, like, ten, ten, ten does not surprise me. Being as great as he is, and these two had um, a banger of a match. And I love these two. I, I hope to see these guys wrestle again because this, this was a fun match to watch. I think in my, my favorite spot in this entire match was when. Uh, I Was it Ethan Page? Ethan Page? I don't remember his name. Uh, but he comes in and he interferes and Darby is thrown in there and Ted stops and he looks and he, he's like, why is he hurt as bad as he is? I, I love that, that he, for a second he's like, he's like, I don't want to win this one. And I absolutely fucking love that moment. He was conflicted. He was conflicted because he doesn't win like a, in, a, in a crappy way. He wants to fight a fair fight because, you know, they, they made a whole point about Brody choosing him and, you know, being like this respectable guy, you know. I mean, he's trying to fight for the honor of Brody Lee. And then, like, fighting for honor doesn't include, like, you taking a cheap shot and getting a cheap point. That's not how you get it. You win it by, you know, working hard, having discipline. I mean, again, I, I keep bringing up being the elites, and then that's something I want to beat into your brain until you eventually start watching it. When Brody Lee first started the Dark Order, he was on the Beating the Elite um, segments. It was about discipline, training your body, and, you know, making yourself right, and trying to not, not, not win at all costs, but, you know, 
becoming a better person, becoming a better wrestler. He was an asshole about it, but it was funny because Brody Lee is fucking hilarious. Um, but he took these people who are a whole bunch of misfits and tried to make them better than what they were through discipline, through hard work and everything else. And yeah, they were they were a heel faction at first, but BTE made him a, a, a face pretty much. And now he was conflicted about taking a win versus Darby Allen. Now, the championship was within his grasp, but he had that moment of conflict in his mind like, I don't want to win like this. This is not something that would bring honor to the memory of Brody Lee. And that's pretty much what it was, um, which was brilliant because, you know, it allowed uh, Ethan Page to come out there and take the, you know, do an attack. Um, they hit that whole Bret Hart thing, whatever, where um, they were rolling up, whatever, and he kicked off the ropes and uh, Darby Allen took the, took the win, one, two, three. And then, um, I gotta say, man, I'm loving Scorpio Sky. He came out of attack, too. Scorpio Sky is my favorite. I fucking love that man. Yeah, Scorpio Sky, uh, he needs to get the fuck out of the tag team division. That man deserves a, that man deserves a fucking one-on-one of a single championship. Yeah, he does, man. Like, he should have got, I mean, like, I mean, I liked him as a face, but he was, like, he was there. He was a face, but he was just there. He wasn't, like... He wasn't moving the needle for me. Like, he was he great in the ring? Fuck yeah, he is, man. Like, he's he's energetic. You know, he's good, whatever. But I never thought he could pull off a, a, a heel turn. And I'm loving this heel turn from Scorpio Sky. And the thing is, like, I think it's going to take him pages. I think they want to just put him with um, all ego Ethan Page to kind of, like, get him accustomed to the way AEW does things as a as a, as a, valify, uh, a verified heel. But this is doing wonders for Scorpio Sky as well. So the pairing with them... But I do have to agree. I don't want to see him in tag team anymore. So hopefully after this little stint with Ethan Page, um, gets him to where he's supposed to be at, though. Maybe he has him focused on a certain championship. So, um, I don't know. I'm not sure what the future holds for those two. Hopefully uh, Scorpio Sky does turn on his own and, you know, keeps his own mindset. Because he just got out of a tag team trio with the SEU, which is kind of stagnant. And now he's bringing on his own, but not only to hang out with Ethan Page... Logically, it doesn't make sense, but hopefully there's something later down the line that hopefully uh, put an end to it. Yeah, I'm, the only thing that I can see working out here is if Ethan Page takes the belt off Darby, and then maybe Scorpio Sky turns on Ethan Page to get the, to get the belt. I mean, I mean, that's hopefully what we're going to, but I don't think Ethan Page is ready for it. Yeah, I mean, was he great um, in Impact? Yeah, he definitely was. Um, but, I mean, Ethan Page, I mean, he's great, but he needs more time. He, you know, Scorpio Sky is an AEW original. He needs, he needs to get close. He's, he needs to step the championship, either being a world championship or TNT. Hopefully it's TNT first. It, it eluded him at first. Um, he hasn't quite got there, but I think now with his new heel turn, he'll take the, he'll take the championships. I, I just can't wait to see Scorpio Sky facing a whole bunch of faces, even, like, heels for that matter. I, I want to see Scorpio Sky versus uh, Ricky Starks. I want to see how that fucking, like, chemistry... I would love to see Ricky Starks versus Scorpio Sky. I think that's going to be a great match. If they ever, like, lock horns or cross each other's paths, that's going to be great. Yeah, I, I would definitely enjoy the match when it happens. And I do believe it will happen. Oh, it's going to happen eventually. When it does happen, I'm going to be happier than the pig and shit. So, um, the match concludes. Um, one last thing. Lance Archer comes in and runs off Scorpio, I mean, uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. What the fuck are they doing with Lance Archer? Like what the hell is um, what's going on? Is he like is he getting advice from the big show? Like, hey, he should be a face one day, he should be a like what the hell's going on? I, I think what they're doing is they're having him they're having uh, a weird thing between him and uh, between him and Jake the Snake. I think they're trying to have them have a falling out and it's a slow burn. 
wanting to be the good guy, but Jake the Snake is wanting to kind of be the bad guy. And I, I think that that's what they're doing here. They're having them turn on each other a little bit slowly. We'll have to find out eventually, though. But, I mean, I, I just I just had to add the question because I'm like, I'm like, dude, are you taking advice from Big Show? Like, she come out smiling one day, and the next day you just come out there pissed off and wanted to attack people, attack Sting. But then next week you want to sit there and help him out for no for no apparent reason, with no context, with no nothing. I'm like, damn, dude, what the make up your fucking mind, man? What the hell? Um, nonetheless, um, that was a show. Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty fun show. Um, I think they're getting their shit together now. I know the rankings. Um, or the ratings, for that matter, was not so great. Uh, they did drop underneath the million-dollar mark. Um, I'll call it the million-dollar mark. It's the million-viewer mark. They hit about 889,000 viewers, so it did drop significantly. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, it's still over 500. I mean, they're about what they're supposed to be at, so I'm pretty sure to uh, TK is pretty still happy with what he has right now, but um, it did take a dip um, for the past couple weeks. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, for a TV company, for, for, for a t-shirt company, fuck yeah it is. Yeah, I mean, for a, for a Wednesday, for a fucking Wednesday night of 8 o'clock program, that's a damn good viewer. No, I'm pretty sure TNT's uh, happy. I'm pretty sure TNT's happy having a, um, 800 plus uh, viewers having their eyes on it. And for the past couple of weeks, they had a million people on her, so imagine all the advertisers. I'm pretty sure they were super stoked. Um, and it's only going to build up, so um, I thought it was a good show uh, from start to finish. I can't really tell you one bad thing about this um, about this week. Um, the the backstage segments were good. Um, Excalibur wasn't fucking horrible. Um, you know, Taz was great on there. Um, I, we had a couple swerves for tonight, so we got some new angles coming out. So um, I thought it was an overall good show. The booking was great. Um, it, it plants a seed for next week, which is which is something you always want to see in wrestling. So I for one was happy with this week's uh, showing. So. Um, before we go, I'm going to go do the, go ahead and do the AEW rankings as of Wednesday, April 28th. Now, dude, I'm so confused. I'm so confused with this rankings. It doesn't make sense, um, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I'm going to start off with the men's championship. Obviously, your world champion, your triple head champion is Kenny Omega, AAA, AEW, and Impact. Uh, your TNT champion is obviously Darby Allin. Uh, number one contender, it says here, it's Adam Page. Uh, number two, it's Orange Cassidy. Number three, it's John Moxley. Number four, you have uh, Pac. And number five, you have ten of the Dark Order. Again, this is freaking weird. Um, just put out two days ago. Uh, for the women's ranking, obviously, you got my girlfriend, Hikira Shida. She's your current champion. Uh, number one contender, you have Britt Baker. Number two, you have Thunder Rosa. Number three, you have Ty Conte. Number four, you have Nyla Rose. And number five, you had Red Velvets. And last but not least, your tag team rankings, the bread and butter of AEW. You got your tag team champions, the Young Bucks. Number one contender for the championships, you have obviously SCU. Number two, you have Jungle Boy Jack Perry and Luchasaurus of Jurassic Express. You get the Varsity Blondes and Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. Number four, you have the Acclaimed with Anthony um, Bowens and Max Caster. And last but not least, FTR, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. And those are your rankings for AEW on April 28th, 2021. Desmond, anything you want to plug before uh, we let go of the show? Well, as always, um, everyone knows I'm more than a, uh, than a uh, wrestling fan. I'm a musician. And as always, my music can be found at facebook.com slash Desmond Daggett That is D 
S-M-O-N-D-D-A-G-E-N-H-A-R-T. Like, comment, share. The more you guys uh, interact with my page, the more stuff I'll post. It really does come down to that. I'm going to start calling you Double D's from now on, if that's cool. Double D. You wouldn't be the first. I wouldn't be the last. Thanks for that comment. <laughs> Alright. Uh, otherwise, thank y'all very much. Absolutely will, and don't forget, folks, uh, we're now on Spotify, Google Play, all your favorite podcasts on there. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, at the Boochcast, same thing with uh, Instagram. Everything's made at Boochcast, so if you think about it, um, you know, uh, Pinterest, probably, Boochcast, um, Instagram, Boochcast, uh, Facebook, uh, MySpace, why not? Um, don't forget, we do some stuff on Twitch as well. We're doing some one-shots. Uh, we're going to start having a campaign here soon. Um, Vinny's going to... He just posted a whole bunch of videos for the Dark Side of the Ring. Um, we have the WrestleMania video. We did a recap on that. Um, actually, the live show, he's going to be posting on Twitch and YouTube as well. Same thing, we did had a one-shot that we did for WrestleMania weekend, which I thought it was really awesome. I can't wait till we do some more one-shots in the meantime to actually get our campaign started. Um, so don't forget to like, subscribe, um, follow your favorite people here in the Boochcast. Um, thank you so much for listening tonight, guys. It was fun. Hope to see you next week. Uh, tell you all your friends, like-minded people who love wrestling, AEW in particular. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell your friends, because um, we're here every week. Hope you enjoy. Take care, and good night. Good night, and goodbye. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>